chapter 6. There are mornings like this when I see Elizabeth and I get all excited to see her because she's been gone for so long. And when I see Ken and Joyce, right, they could be with us here that, man, what's it going to be like one day when we all are caught up together, right, for all eternity? We won't have to not see someone for a few weeks or months or we'll be able to see each other every day, all the time. Okay, uh, we are uh, just doing a little two-week series. Last week, we were just a couple chapters prior to this, and uh, we were we're looking at the Savior in the ship, right? This week, we're going to be looking at the Savior outside the ship. Um, last week, we uh, took a look at uh, that question, right? In every one of those accounts um, where... Uh, they go out in the boat, and Jesus is in the boat with them, and the storm rises, and He rebukes the wind and the waves. And every one of those accounts, they say the same thing, right? They say, "What sort of man is this?" Right? And that's what we looked at last week, right? What what sort of man is this? And what we did is we looked at the actual disciples' response or their questions or comments in order to kind of gauge what sort of man is this. Remember, you recall last week, one of the questions that they had for the Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 4, as he's asleep in the boat, and they are uh, in uh, trouble there. Remember, we said they asked perhaps some of the most painful words that God has ever had to hear. Do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? And we looked at that God does care, doesn't he? That in fact, when it says, cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you, really it means that because to you, God, to to God, you matter. You matter to Him. God cares very deeply for you. It's important to remember that even in the storms of life, that God does care. But not only that, in each of those accounts, one of them they address Him as Master, Master, and another one they address Him as Lord, And really that word there has the idea of someone who is in control. A controller. And we looked at it and we even asked ourselves a question, right? Uh, On that ship there, who was in control of the ship? Right? Who was in control of the storm? Who was in control of the sea? And then lastly, who was in control of the saint? Because he says, why are you still afraid? You who have no faith. God leaves that up to us, if whether or not we will trust Him, if we will believe God at His Word, right? If we will act as if God is telling the truth, even in the storms of life, even in the difficult times. And so this we want to look at the Savior outside the ship now. Alright, if you turn, if you're there already to Mark chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. 
Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. The Lord will bless the reading of his word again this morning. Let's just pray. Dear God, um, again, thank you for the reminder this morning that we are needy people. We need your Holy Spirit right now. I need him to um, help me share what it is that you want me to share. I pray that I would be led by him and, and empowered by him. Lord, we all need him too to, to help us hear what it is you want us to hear. I pray that if we would hear your voice this morning, that we would not harden our hearts as your disciples had done. That, that we would be able to receive what it is that you want uh, to tell us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I just want to uh, point out real quick that is interesting is that as you study all these accounts of uh, the disciples on the boat in the storm, and every one of these accounts, as you'll see here again, notice here in verse 45, it says, immediately he made his disciples. Right? Um, some of yours may say he strongly urged them. Some of theirs might say he constrained them. Okay? You know, I think it's just a great reminder of us too that some of the greatest victories in your life, God sometimes has to force you to do it. Okay? He knows. He knows what's best for you and He constrains you. He compels you. Right? He makes you go through whatever that is in your life. Okay? Because he's gonna, He knows on the other side will be some of your greatest victories. Right? But you can't experience those victories unless you go through that storm. Unless you go through that difficulty, that hardship, whatever it is. And sometimes, as Jesus has done with every one of these accounts of the disciples, He, he compels them. He constrains them. He makes them Get in the boat. I mean, you recall here, right, that this is just after the feeding of the 5,000. Right? The disciples were a part of that work there. Passing out food. Evening had come. Right? Just have a full stomach. What do you want to do? Take a little nap. (laughs) Right? No, not so. Jesus says immediately, He says, hey, get in the boat and go to the other side. Sometimes the greatest victories in our life, God has to compel us. He has to constrain us and force us to do that. But also, too, I think the disciples are riding on a little level of confidence right now. Remember, it's been a little bit of time now since the first occurrence with the ship and the storm. They watched Jesus rebuke the wind and the waves. And they said, man, what sort of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. They, they just got to experience the feeding of the 5,000, right? So, I mean, for Jesus to say, get in the boat and go to the other side, this should be a walk in the park for them, right? It's almost as if the Lord Jesus is telling them and even telling us, okay, disciple, you react a certain way when I'm in the ship. Let's see how you react when I'm not in the ship. Four, remember, Jesus was in the boat with them, sleeping in the stern, right? When they went out into the sea. 
This time Jesus says, hey, get in the boat. I'm not going with you. Get in the boat and go to the other side. And Jesus went alone up into a mountaintop. There are three things that I think were unexpected here uh, in this story. The first one we're going to look at is the unexpected storm. As we read here, um, it's evening. <clears throat> there, the boat is in the middle of the Sea of Galilee here, and a strong wind comes up. Right, uh, Jesus can actually see them. <coughs> excuse me, and the wind is contrary to them; it's against them. Um, and I think that uh, one great application for this is that listen, Satan always plans his attack in the darkest hour. You'll recall here that it's evening when they're in the middle of the sea, but notice, right? It says now about the fourth watch in four, verse forty-eight. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Jewish mindset was that um, the day and night each were broken into four parts. Right. So during the day and during the night, you would have from 12 to 3 would be 1, then 3 to 6, then 6 to 9, uh, 9 to 12, um, things like that. <clears throat> Actually, 6 to 9 and so on. But at this particular time, the fourth hour of the night is that time between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat at the time. I have. Um, when we've gone fishing throughout the night, um, it's dark. It's dark out there, and it's a little eerie um, at 3 in the morning uh, fishing out there. But, uh, you know, these disciples were... We're familiar with that, I'm sure. In fact, perhaps that may have been why Jesus had to constrain them to even get in the boat because they may have looked out there and said, you know what, it doesn't look like a good night to go in the boat because um, they were familiar with that area. They knew what it was like to get in the boat. And so that could have been why Jesus made them too because they kind of were looking and saying, hey, this might not be a good time for us to go. But here it is in the fourth watch of the night, the darkest part of the night. Um, you know, Psalm 91 verse 5 says, terror comes by night. Terror comes by night. And Satan loves to plan his attacks in the darkest of the day. The darkest of the day. Here it seems like it's more of a, of a frustration than maybe a threat, as we saw in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, I mean, they thought they were going to perish. They thought they were going to die. Here it seems like it's more of a frustration but here we see this wind, right? This wind has picked up during the darkest time of the night and Jesus is not around. What do you do when it seems like God doesn't hear you? What do you do when the situation seems like you're all alone? Right? Jesus put them in this situation, I believe, and He puts us in those situations, because he wants to know, do you trust me even when you cannot see me? Do you trust me even when you cannot see me? You know, so many people I hear say, man, if God would just show himself in this way, right? Or if God would just speak to me. Brothers and sisters, that's not faith. In fact, when we do that, we ascribe to Him some of our fears. 
when we sit there and say, oh man, if God would just show himself in this way or if God would just speak to me, really, what we're saying is if I can't see you, then you can't do your work. If I can't experience something with my senses here, then that means that, Jesus, you are limited in what you can do. I said, that's not faith. The other thing that's interesting here is that not only are they alone in the boat, and it's as if Jesus is saying, listen, will you trust me even when you can't see me? But all along during this time, even though they cannot see Jesus, Jesus sees them. Just like these disciples here, we are often storm-tossed. We are often perplexed. We are often in despair. And sometimes we, it seems as if our Savior is far away. But all the time, He sees you. All the time, He's praying for you. Even when the night seems darkest. You recall that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that He ever liveth to make intercession for us. You remember that, that time there where the Lord addressed Simon in such an affection. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He goes, but I have prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Listen, in those moments where we are perplexed, when we are in despair and the Savior seems far away, may we not forget that He is praying for us. Even in the darkest time, even when the night seems darkest, know that the Lord Jesus is praying for you, that He sees you. And as we looked at last week, that He cares about you. That He cares. So we see this unexpected storm or unexpected uh, wind here in the fourth watch of the night. But we also see an unexpected sighting, right? In this fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. It's kind of an interesting phrase, right? Is that Jesus is sending them to the other side, and then he decides, okay, now i got to get over there, so I'm just going to walk. Um, and he was just going to walk to the other side. Because, see, listen, brothers and sisters, they, the truth is they still needed to go to the other side. <laughs> and we're going to look at that in a second. But in each one of these, right, when Jesus puts them in the boat, there's a purpose. It's because he wants them to get to the other side. He doesn't want them to just sit in the boat. He wants them to get to where they need to be. And so Jesus himself was going to go to the other side. And then they, of course, see him, Right? Um, but that's what Jesus wants for us, right? He, he wants us to, to get to where he wants us to be. Uh, this week at, uh, at Pinebush, the theme for this summer is watch, learn, join. Um, so one of the things that we looked at this week was people that watched something or they, they looked at something or they saw something and they learned something about God. And they learn something about themselves, perhaps. But one of the things that struck me was interesting, again, is that in some of these uh, stories that we looked at, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, 
uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the, in the fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den, all these things is that God did not save them from them. He saved them out of them. Right? The, the, the people of God still had to walk through the Red Sea. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the furnace. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Jesus compelled them, constrained them to get in the boat and go to the other side. God always makes us go through those things, right? For a purpose. There's a reason He wants us to do that. He wants us to grow. Right? There's something in your life that God still wants to work on. There's something that God wants you to learn from. Right? And so He is going to make you go to the other side. Okay? He didn't get in that boat with the disciples and say, listen, let's go back to where we came from. No. He said, listen, okay, we're still going to go to the other side. No matter if there's a storm, no matter if there's a wind that's contrary, right? We're going to get to where we need to go. You've got to understand that, that, that there's a purpose. God wants you to get where He wants you to be. And every one of us is there, right? There's not one of us here that have reached it, right? There's not one of us here that say we have arrived. There's still places that God wants us to get to. Areas that God says, listen, you need growth here. There's areas here that you need work on. And so here's why he's, Jesus was actually on his way to the other side, would have passed them by, but they see Jesus walking on water. As far as I know, nobody had ever walked on the water before that, and nobody has ever done it since. <laughs> Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus. The, uh, we talked about last week about the sea. Um, we talked about how that, that water, right, is the evidence that things are going bad. <laughs> right? It's that present reality. Um, it's what we're afraid of. Right? And so it's kind of neat that here in Mark chapter 4, they see the, the wind and the waves there, and Jesus is able to rebuke that. But here is just a cool illustration here, right, that so many times... We become anxious, right? We become worried about these, this present reality in our lives, these difficulties, these hardships that are going on, when all the while this illustration shows us that they're all under Jesus' feet. <laughs> they're not that big a deal. We make them to be such big waves, such big things, and, and all along Jesus is still walking on top of them. Just all under His feet. We need to remind ourselves of that, that uh, they are under the Savior's feet. And so they, they have this unexpected storm or, or wind that was contrary to them, and they have an unexpected sighting. They, they, uh, they see someone walk on the water. We know it's the Lord Jesus. But last thing here is that we see an unexposed sin. An unexposed sin. They see a man walking on the water, and instead of saying, oh, it must be Jesus, they say, oh, man, I think it's a ghost. Imagine that. Disciples of the Lord Jesus believing in ghosts. And so here the unexposed sin is this. They ascribed the power and the ability of God to someone else. Look here in verse 49. When they saw Him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. 
You see, when you ascribe the power and the ability of God to someone else, right, you give God's glory to someone else. How often do we do this as believers? My own life, um, I've had wonderful uh, experiences where um, you're trying to, let's say, purchase something or you're trying to, um, well, let's just say, you're trying to purchase something and you're sharing with a, uh, a brother or sister or someone else and you say, yeah, listen, man, it, was, it cost this much, but I was actually able to get it for half the price. Or the person came in and said, you know what, I'm just going to waive this or that or I'm going to give this to you for free. And it's always the same response as, man, boy, are you lucky. No, we're blessed, right? And it's amazing how many times I've heard Christians kind of like get irritated by that statement. Oh, yeah, we're not lucky, we're blessed. But listen, no, no, when you say you're lucky, you're ascribing what God has provided to something else, to luck. You're sharing God's glory with something else. When God intervenes and when God provides you in a miraculous way, you use that opportunity to say, listen, God has blessed me. God provided for me. Not, man, boy, you're lucky. <laughs> man, you were lucky in that situation. No. God provided. Never ascribe to someone else all things that God should get glory for. Never. In fact, I would encourage you that every day, before you consult with anyone, before you eat something, before you get on the phone, before you do anything, get on your computer, that you take time to first give glory to God. Before you do anything else. You get up and say, God, listen, I extol you. I thank you. I praise you for who you are. Okay? Receive all the glory in my life today. There's an unexposed sin here. They were ascribing this greatness of God to someone else, to a ghost. And sharing or giving God's glory to someone else. Not only that, but it says here in verse 52 that they hadn't understood the lesson from that afternoon. <laughs> they still hadn't got it. Certainly there could be a lot of lessons here that maybe we can bring up, but one of the ones I thought of was that with God, all things are possible. You just saw God feed 5,000 men, and then in addition to that, women and children with five loaves and two fish, and you can't believe that it's Him walking on the water? Why do we do that? And it goes right back to what we talked about last week, right? They've seen so many things that God had done, and Jesus is saying, listen, why are you still afraid? Oh, you have such little faith. Why do we lack such faith? Right? It's our fallen condition. It doesn't matter how many times we read of God's faithfulness in His Word. It doesn't matter how many times we've seen God right, provide and intervene and miraculously come through for each and every one of us. There's moments there in the darkest part of the day where we lack faith. 
And we forget the lessons that God has already taught us. That with God, all things are possible. All things. That God can actually heal a wounded heart. That God can actually reconcile a broken marriage. That God can heal and restore those who are sick, those who are broken. With God, all things are possible. Amen? Yeah, just in a short while, they had already forgotten the lesson because their hearts were hardened. It's tough, man. You know, when we're tired, when we're physically exhausted and, and finding life difficult, those are times where it's hard. And listen, as I showed before, that's when Satan loves to attack. He plans his attacks at the darkest of the day. That's when he loves to do it. We've got to make sure to not forget the lessons that we've learned. We've all seen it, right? The, uh, the videos, right? They're pretty popular today. You've got a kid uh, in his classroom, just a regular day of school, and all of a sudden someone opens the door and it's dad coming home from Iraq. Right? You've seen the videos, right? Um, what seemed like a regular day to that daughter, right, became an unforgettable experience. As far as the disciples knew, nothing else tremendous was in store that night. They were back to their regular routine with ordinary expectations. Brothers and sisters, there's a risk of growing so familiar with Jesus that we fail to be awed by His power. That we go through our regular routine every day and we have just ordinary expectations. Because we've become so familiar with Jesus that we have actually failed to be awed anymore by His power. I shared this last week and I'll share it again is that too often, our prayers deal with the possible. Too many things that we pray for, you don't need to pray for them. You can do them yourself. Certainly, God wants us to bring all things before Him and acknowledge Him. But man, how we need to bring the impossible into our prayer lives. We need to be praying for God for things that are humanly impossible. Why? so that we would be in awe of His power. So that we could give Him the glory and only Him. Our hearts should be filled with expectation and faith that Jesus is going to do a work. Filled with expectation. Big expectations. Not just ordinary expectations. Right? That we should be filled with great expectations and faith that Jesus is going to do a work. Listen, I know that there are many uh, who are going through difficult times. Okay? And there will be some of us who go through difficult times. Right? 
Sometimes Jesus constrains us. He compels us to go through those storms. Right? Don't forget that Satan loves to plan his attack in the darkest of the day. But also, during those difficult times, don't think that God is far away. It may seem as if the Savior is far away, right? but He's not. He's not far away. In fact, <laughs> He sees you. He's praying for you. Also, keep pressing on to the other side. Okay? I mean, certainly, it would be great, right? In one of those accounts, um, right, it says when Jesus got into the boat, they were automatically on the other side. That's a cool picture too, right? That as we're traveling, getting to that other side, one day we will be there. Right? We will be in glory. We will be with Lord Jesus. But also, I want us to know that, listen, there is some place that Jesus wants you to go. Right? There's an area in your life where Jesus wants you to get to. Right? The Bible says that we are to teach every man, we are to warn every man so that we could present every man. Right? Mature in Christ. Right? Each and every one of us, that's what we want. We want to grow, don't we? Right? We want to learn what God wants us to learn. And so sometimes we've got to press on to that other side, even though it may be difficult. Even though the wind might be contrary to you, even though the waves are beating up against the boat, right? You still got to go to the other side. You can't go back to where you came from. You got to go to the other side. There's somewhere he wants you to get to. And lastly, never ascribe to someone else the things that God should get the glory for. Don't do it. Even as simple as, boy, you're lucky. Don't do it. Right? Expect God to do the impossible in your life. Expect God to do the impossible in the lives of others. Right? We expect God to do the impossible in Sharon's life. We expect God to do that. We expect God to do the impossible in the lives of your family members who are still not saved. Expect that God will do that. But never ascribe to someone else the things that God should get the glory for. So for our corporate prayer this morning, um, it's going to be a little different. The, the prayer items will be, will be more geared towards kind of what we've been learning the last couple of weeks. Right? And uh, I would encourage each and every one to pray those things. But even as we pray, again, pray with expectancy. Right? We don't want just, just, I said ordinary prayers are fine. We want just ordinary prayers. We want big prayers. We want prayers that um, show that our faith is in a God who can walk on water. A God that can rebuke the wind and the waves. Right? That's the God who we pray to. Right? And so he is able to do above and beyond even what we could ask or think. Right? And so we're going to go a little uh, prayer time and then um, I'll close the time um, after 15 minutes or so. All right?